Well, the content never really stops here at uh, Kingdom with Alex Garrett. And uh, my next guest, Bob Capano, always a great contributor to the podcast. Bob, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you, Alex. My pleasure. So let's talk. You, you've you been writing a, a lot uh, about what's going on in New York. One thing that stuck out was you were either request, you know, suggesting National Guard, either the subways or the grocery stores. Fill us in on that of what, what you think the National Guard could do during this crisis. Yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, my, I do a weekly column for Brooklyn Courier Life. And, and several weeks ago, I had noted how our subways have basically become rolling hotels for the homeless and the emotionally disturbed, and how despite a 90% plus decrease in ridership, uh, robberies were up 55% underground. And as and Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio have been given an awful lot of lip service to praising our essential workers and heroes, our doctors, our nurses, our uh, firefighters, our policemen and women, our grocery store workers. But when it comes to actually making them be safe and feel safe, going to and from the important jobs through the subway, they failed miserably. So I suggested that something more had to be done. Perhaps the National Guard needed to come in, that this was an, that, that something needed to be done. And finally, finally this past week, uh, the mayor and the governor agreed. They said, look, we're going to close the subways overnight. We're going to take a little more aggressive approach with the homeless. Uh, uh, and I'm glad they finally got on board because to me, it, w- it was um, our heroes uh, deserve better. Uh, we, they have enough on their plate uh, dealing with this pandemic and, and getting to their important jobs without having to, to deal with the nerve wracking experience of, of being on the subway. So um, I think the National Guard uh, would put people's minds at ease, would be a good presence down there. But at the end of the day, uh, something needs to be done. And uh, NYPD, uh, I understand, are going to be taking a little more hands-on approach. And um, so this is, a, this is a good thing that, that the mayor and governor are finally on board. We're doing something. Tom and Bob Capano, and I know also you're involved with the groceries uh, grocery store. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, this 1 to 5 a.m. shutdown is going to be historic. And I've been asking a couple of people, hey, do you think there's going to be unrest? I mean, we've already seen that over the weekend in the West Village. Now you're going to bring to the subway platform. I feel like there could be some really brawls going on trying to get on the subway. Like, I don't know. I feel people are going to try and resist this. No, I, I, abso- I believe there's going to be a lot of resistance. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but my column this week, uh, is going to be about how I, I don't think the uh, NYPD should be in the social distancing enforcement business. Um, and, and for some of those same reasons you just noted, uh, there has been uh, this anti-cop sentiment out there uh, for a long time. I believe that, uh, you know, we are heading towards a, uh, not only a, we have a public health crisis, but we don't need a, 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 a public safety crisis as well. I mean, it's bad enough that our, our police officers have been told to ignore fare beaters and ignore quality of life issues. Uh, our district attorneys are, are refusing to prosecute many crimes, both above ground and, and below ground uh, because of fear of the, the pandemic. Um, and I say, uh, look, here's a radical thought. 
if you don't want to be in prison during this time, don't commit a crime against your fellow New Yorker. And to me, that's common sense. But instead, May de Blasio is, is looking to fulfill the progressive utopia of having no one in prison. And, and that's why we're seeing, uh, you know, crime go, go up underground. Because, it, it, like I said, 90% plus decrease in ridership and robberies are up. I mean, that speaks for itself. It really does. And, of course, they've let, I guess, rapists out of the jails, too, in honor of keeping them alive from COVID-19. I don't know. It's all That whole thing is a mess. But I want to focus in with you on, on the mayor's uh, actually now use of the NYPD. You remember, for years, he was crapping on them. He was, you know, dumping on them. He was saying, I have to train my kid how to de- deal with them. Now, because he has his, his citizens in his grips, he's going to use everything he can to enforce his will. And I'm very scared about that. No, absolutely. And, and it, you know, part of this, you know, social distancing uh, enforcement, I just think it's, it's a very, very uh, bad idea for a number of reasons. I mean, one, our police need to focus on the real criminals taking advantage of this pandemic which is causing even more havoc at the expense of, of New Yorkers. Um, you know, you know com- let's just look at commercial burglaries. They're up 169% in April compared to last April. I mean, because criminals are taking advantage of breaking into the bodegas and stores. And that's where police focus should be on, not, not on uh, breaking up... Uh, families and friends trying to enjoy our parks and, and some nice weather, um, you know, and the, with this continued anti-police sentiment, is it really a shocker that we're seeing some confrontations with the police trying to enforce social distancing? And just last weekend, you know, we saw what happened in, in the East Village, where uh, some folks were, were charged with re- assaulting a police officer and resisting arrest. You know, it's the same thing you said before about People are going to resist the subway closures. Well, they're certainly resisting uh, the police enforcing social distancing. Um, and one of one of one person who I think is a, almost the sole voice of sanity and common sense in the city council is uh, Joe Borelli, Councilman Joe Borelli of Staten of Island, who who noted on his Twitter account the mixed messages coming from City Hall. Uh, the NYPD uh, uh, tweeted a photo of an officer giving a mask to someone walking on a crowded pathway. So as Joe Borelli said, tweeted, we can't go on where it's literally no mask, no problem, a tweet, and then you're handed a free one, but two miles away, you're given a court summons. So that's putting our police officers in an untenable position. Get the cops out of the social distancing business. You know, let the parks enforcement do it in our parks. Let the mayor's community assistance unit, let the mayor's bloated staff of of senior aides and senior advisors get out there and do it. Maybe let our traffic agents do it. You know, they have some time on their hands with alternate side of the street parking uh, being suspended. But let our cops be cops. Let our cops focus on making the subways safe and secure for essential workers. Let the cops focus on getting a handle on the burglaries and robberies and, and, and car robberies that are out of control. Again, this is an example of Mayor de Blasio's misplaced priorities 
and he and as much as he likes to bash President Trump, it's he who has made this worse. And it was going down here before the, the pandemic, and, and and it's not, and it's only getting worse now because of his failed leadership, in my opinion. You know, I'm so glad you brought up President Trump because I'm waiting for Antifa to start really protesting de Blasio's measures. I mean, what he's doing is so authoritarian and nobody seems to give a flying you-know-what. Well, it's pretty ironic that both of now, uh, I believe just yesterday, uh, the PBA president, uh, Patrick Lynch, you know, also uh, called for the end to social distancing enforcement. And also the far left legal aid society says it should stop as well, granted for far different reasons, because they're saying the police are going to abuse it in certain communities, are going to, you know, implement it the wrong way. But when you have both the police, the PBA, and the Legal Aid Society saying the police shouldn't be enforcing social distancing, perhaps the mayor should pay attention. Well, he should, and he got to, he has to stop saying the word enforcement. I mean, what that word means and, and when it's said should scare the living daylights out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's almost like uh, Big Brother, you know, looking over us. And I believe, uh, you know, some of the best enforcers of social distancing are, are fellow New Yorkers. Of course, you know, without getting out of control. But I, I, I think uh, fellow New Yorkers will let someone know, hey, you're getting too close. You should be wearing a mask. Um, but again, Bob, aren't we famous for being this, the city that says get away from me? I feel like we're famous for that already. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But, hey. but again, no, no, you go for it. Go for it. Sorry. No, no. I, I'm just, you know, it's just hard to believe that, you know, you send the police to certain areas, you know, and, and you don't have, there's only so much area that police can cover. So how much of a difference are they really making, making covering some parks and, and, and being there to try to get people to bring it up. To me, it's not worth, worth the effort. Let's utilize the cops to deal with public safety and, and use other alternatives, you know, such as I mentioned, parks enforcement and, and, and the May's Community Assistance Unit. So whatever little enforcement or, or enforcement you can do should be done by then, but not, but not by our, our police officers. It's just not the right way to go, in my opinion. Bob Capano, so we're talking about Bob. Were you surprised, or did you like? Did you like when three one one was being spammed after he said report people? I thought that was classic New York right there, spamming the the authority. Absolutely, absolutely right. I, I thought that was uh, classic, and and again, made made the boss showing how out of touch he is. Well, and I'm talking about Bob Capano. He is now. A commentator at the Brooklyn Courier Life. How is the borough doing it? Do you feel like uh, are they starting to open up? What are you seeing out there? Well, here you know I, I live in Bay Ridge. Um, it, it's still um, you know just the essentials are open. Our supermarkets, our restaurants, you know, for takeout and delivery. You know, here in Bay Ridge, we have Restaurant Row along Third Avenue. Um, you, know, you have the whole Third Avenue Association. How are they doing? The merchants of Third Avenue, right, led by good people like my friend Bob Howe. Um, look, it, it's a difficult, trying time. But again, it, it doesn't help. You know, it, just the, last week, several of our Third Avenue businesses had uh, break-ins uh, and were burglarized. Um, and, and these store owners have enough to worry about being closed and worrying about reopening their business if they can and now they have to worry about being 
burglarized and our local councilman, uh, 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 Justin Brannon, a Democrat who, who I ran against last, uh, last time, his, his response was, and you're not gonna believe this, his response was, I'm calling for more additional patrols. And this is the fundamental thing that progressives like Justin Brandon and Mayor de Blasio don't get. If criminals don't fear real consequences, if they know, which is the case now, that once they go through those precinct doors, they'll be walking right back out immediately, no amount of patrol is going to matter because they don't fear getting caught because they're not, they know the DA is not prosecuting. They know the mayor wants everybody out of jail because of the pandemic. So as I say, in a cost benefit analysis from a criminal's perspective, it's worth the cost of burglarizing someplace. Why? Because A, you have to get caught and that's not, that's not a guarantee. And B, even if you do get caught, you know you're going to be out within an hour or two. So again, you know, Justin Brannon and his fellow Democrats, rather than calling for more police patrols as it's, as it's some sort of panacea, should be calling for tougher, uh, getting tougher on criminals seeking to take advantage of fellow New Yorkers during this pandemic. By the way, some breaking news coming across the wire. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been hospitalized with an infection, according to the court. So that's a big deal. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. We do hope it's not COVID because we don't want anybody to die from that. So prayers go out to the family. But that is such weird timing now as Supreme Court gets back in, in session. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Bob, of the connection, you know, the Cuomo de Blasio dynamic? It certainly hasn't improved trying to fight this together, has it? No. And in fact, I thought maybe that was one of the reasons why I might have been onto something calling for the National Guard to get involved in the subways because that would be Governor Cuomo's decision to put the National Guard in the subway. And I thought, look, Governor Cuomo never misses an opportunity to pull rank on Mayor de Blasio. So I thought, you know, maybe, just maybe, he'll put in the National Guard uh, just to once again show Mayor de Blasio up. Unfortunately, he didn't do it. But um, I, I thought, you know, the, the issue with schools a few weeks ago where the mayor de Blasio said, we're gonna close uh, schools uh, through the, the, up until the fall at least, and Governor Cuomo said, no, no, that's my call. You know, that's a typical of, of their relationship. Um, yeah. In my opinion, having taught uh, political science and government for many over 15 years within the City University of New York, you know, you know you, every student knows that local governments are a creature of the state. So clearly it is Governor Cuomo's call. So I'm not sure what May de Blasio was thinking, you know, putting that out there without any consultation with the governor's office. But, you know, it's just symbol symbolic of their relationship. I've got to ask you this now, Bob, because we've actually been talking about less enforcement. So if the National Guard were to be doing it, they're still sort of a policed entity. What would be the difference? How would they handle it differently than the NYPD? And what... If you don't want extra enforcement, why the National Guard still to combat this over the NYPD? Well, I, I think just the mere, I think most importantly, the essential workers that utilize the subway would feel safer. You know, having that National Guard uh, there, having their presence, it, it, it makes them feel, and, and I ride the subway too, because to, I'm a, a grocery store, a supermarket manager, 
and my my employees do and, and many supermarket employees and doctors and nurses do you know sometimes you'll feel a little bit more comfortable getting on a subway car where you see some uh, national guard troops rather than just homeless and emotionally disturbed uh you know throughout the subway system did you see someone tried to pull you know had a, had a gun on him there was some trending video where the guy had a gun on him and the whole subway car, re, you know, reacted to that. I don't know if you caught that video or not. But no, I didn't see that. I did insane. not see that. But you see, here's the other thing. And we're seeing this on a national level, on, on an international level too. It appears our enemies are taking advantage of this crisis. And here in the city, that's for sure too. And we're just letting them do it, taking advantage of it. Look, I mean, I, I know the May de Blasio and the progressives, uh, you know, will not admit this. But you know what? There are some bad people out there. There are people out there who will do anything to take advantage of a situation, pandemic or not. And to just say, you know what, we're going to release people. We're not going to prosecute people. You know, that's an insult and a slap in the face to the vast majority of innocent New Yorkers and especially, especially to our essential workers who are doing all they can to get us through their pandemic. Hey, you know, we see nurses getting mugged, you know, coming home from from their work at hospitals. I mean, what does it take for the mayor to realize that protecting these people should be the priority, not simply releasing folks from Rikers Island? And by the way, the logic there doesn't make sense. No, No, it doesn't. I get that you want to protect people, those who are on Rikers Island, but you can't think about it. It wasn't too long ago where Rikers Island held over 20,000 inmates. Today, it's between four and 5,000. So there's plenty of room to socially distance, to put medical facilities, additional medical facilities to, to, to wisely. You know, to me, that's, the, that's what you do. You don't just open the gates and let the criminals out and stop uh, prosecuting criminals you know that's that to me is backwards would you say though that maybe not so much Cuomo because he's doing what he can but sort of him as well but would you say that de Blasio certainly is one of those that have hijacked this crisis to insert his will I feel like that's part of the problem here no absolutely and I mentioned that before he is using this pandemic as an excuse to implement progressive utopia of having no one in jail and that's what he's doing he's first he said you know what i'm going to start releasing people from rikers island with the input of district attorneys and once even his fellow democratic district attorneys started objecting to the people he wanted to release because of the public safety risk they posed you know what he blocked out the district attorneys and he did it on its own on Mm. his own so absolutely, Mayor is using this to pursue his uh, agenda. And do we need to look any more than him putting uh, the failed leadership of Shalane McCray in charge of a new task force on uh, racial equality after the pandemic? You know, I still understand the purpose of that, but the mere fact that she has failed so miserably uh, in Thrive demonstrates to me that this is just another political attempt to raise her profile in Brooklyn to become Brooklyn Borough President. And this is coming from someone who had the distinct honor and privilege 
of, of working in a senior position to, to former borough president Marty Markowitz, who mm. did a great job. And, and, and that was, I had some of the proudest moments of my career in public service working at Borough Hall with Marty Markowitz. Oh my gosh, what a character he was. What a great borough president. He was a character. I mean, I'd see him every year. Sometimes we go to the Mermaid Day Parade, he's there having fun. Like, he just had fun as a borough president. Yeah, no, I mean, him and I had a, a great relationship. It, it was more of a, a father and son relationship in a way because at a very young age, he lost his um, uh, father and, and did his best to take care of his mom and, and his sister. And I had, a, unfortunately, a similar experience of losing my dad at a young age and trying to help my mom and, and my family. And we bonded over that. And, and I know we're digressing a little bit, but not that many people know the stories is that, you know, people knew I was Republican at Borough Hall, you know, and people thought, you know, I had interest in running for public office. And many of Democrats came to Marty Mark when they said, when he first took office, uh, you got to get rid of Bob Capano. He's a Republican. You got to get rid of Bob Capano. He's a Republican. And Marty and I built this personal relationship built based on that shared experience of, of uh, similar histories. But more importantly, he saw how respected I was in the community, uh, the work that I did, and, and he kept me aboard. And, and not only, you know, and we just had a great, great professional and personal relationship. I enjoyed sitting right next to him and his wife at, at his uh, seaside concerts in Coney Island. Um, you know, to me, in many ways, he, he became like a second father to me. And, um, you know, you know, there's, he, he's a, he was a great borough president, but more, for, more importantly, he was a, he was a good, he is a good man. He is a great, I was going to say, how is he feeling these days? Because he's got to be in his 80s now, right? Yeah, no, he's still he's still thriving. You know, if you Mar- if you know Marty Markowitz, he's gonna keep going at a hundred and ten percent until he can't go anymore. He wouldn't have it any other way. So I'm just so privileged that I, I had the opportunity to spend about uh, you know eight years, uh, you know, working under the same roof as him. Well, that'd be a cool interview for your Brooklyn Courier uh, uh, piece. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Good point. I didn't. I never thought of that back history. Yes, because I know Brooklyn still loves him. I mean, he may not be there, but they still love him. I mean, you could just tell. Yeah, you know the the great thing about Marty is he put a smile on people's faces. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. He had a great relationship with the former Brooklyn GOP chairman, uh, Craig Eaton. Uh, he was widely respected, and 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 for Marty Markowitz, if you were. It was, if it was about Brooklyn, if it was about improving Brooklyn, if it was about making the lives of people in Brooklyn a little bit better and helping them to enjoy Brooklyn a little bit more as he did with his concerts, that's what it was all about. So how mm-hmm. can anyone really disagree with that? Well, Bob, let's, let's get into something you're very passionate about because you're in the grocery store, you're working, you're dealing with the PPE, and I think grocery stores still need it. But today, Wendy's just cut its burgers out of its menu because of what they are fearing, which is a meat shortage. I mean, help me calm down. Help everyone calm down as you're a grocery store worker. Help us calm down and tell us, just be honest, what are you seeing right now? Can people still get meat? What, what's going on with that whole fear? 
Well, the, the main thing is, I mean, the supply line is still good. The, the, big, the big difference is maybe, uh, at least, you know, in many supermarkets, and maybe people won't be able to get the same brands that they're used to, but they'll still be able to get the product. For example, uh, many restaurants, right, have, have closed down and, and many different vendors service restaurants. So some supermarkets, including us, are now utilizing those restaurant suppliers to pick up the slack of other brands that aren't producing as well. So maybe you can't get Scott toilet paper as easily as in the past anymore, but there are different brands, you know, that, that you can get. Maybe you're not going to get your, you know, bounty paper towels may not be as readily available, but there's other types of paper towels. And the same thing with the, the meat, meat supply, you know, so there, there are other, um, uh, vendors that are, are servicing the retail industry that allow product to be on on the, on the shelf. Um, so I am confident that the supply line is good and the only drawback from consumers is that maybe they're not going to be able to get the brands they used to, but they will definitely still have the uh, product. Well, Bob, thank you for that because I feel like, you know, big, big papers are now publishing this and it's going to start people going crazy and panicking. Well, that's the thing that was happening during the first couple of weeks uh, of all this, and it seems like it's been forever now. But you know, the, when we saw for a time period there was vast shortages on on grocery shelves, and what was happening was, as quickly as the product was coming in, and yes, there were some shortages, people were hoarding it. People were nervous, right? So, within two hours of the shelves being packed out, it was sold. So it gave the appearance of a shortage when it really wasn't it was just people hoarding more than they should if people are now we're getting a little bit of normalcy just take what they need for their the week we'll be fine and and, and that's what's happening you know in our supermarkets you know we, we we have normalcy we we've had our fresh produce we have meat you know deli um, again, it, it's, uh, I am not worried about the supply line at all, but we are, I am seeing, you know, there are some important changes in people's, uh, shopping patterns. For example, you know, there's been a huge increase in, in telephone orders and internet shopping because people, especially our more vulnerable populations of seniors are hesitant about coming out at all. So many retail establishments now have to fully delicate, dedicate employees to do dealing with the phone orders where they take the orders over the phone and then do the actual shopping for the customer and delivering it. That's something new. That's something that we have to adjust to. Um, and, and what I say to my, my employees, and it's true, is that's really the very important work because if we don't do take that phone order from that senior, they don't eat for that day or for that week. So, to me, you know, that's the priority. And that's how you look out for your fellow New Yorkers, you know, especially our uh, most vulnerable. So to me, there's no greater priority than making sure our seniors who, who can't leave their house are taken care of. And, and the way they're doing it uh, more often than not is through uh, telephone orders. Well, Bob, thank you so much for all this information. And where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at Bob Capano. Uh, also, the Brooklyn paper, uh, my weekly column uh, appears there. 
uh, every week, every edition of the Courier Life newspapers throughout the great borough of Brooklyn, um, and also on fa- Facebook, uh, uh, Bob Capano. All right, Bob, and one last thing, because I've been asking a couple people this week, what's one thing no one really knows about you that you wouldn't show, you know, see on social media, anything fun that we may not know about Bob Capano uh, alongside with politics? Uh, boy, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, well, let, let me say, uh, I think I revealed a little bit, of, not fun, obviously it wasn't fun, but, uh, you know, my personal relationship with uh, Marty Markowitz, that's certainly something I haven't revealed uh, publicly uh, at all, and I, and I did to you. But uh, for me now, uh, the fun thing, the most fun thing I have now, and and, and is uh, I'm the proud father of a, a nine-month-old baby boy. Uh, last July, my wife and I adopted him from uh, South Carolina. Um, so he he certainly uh, keeps uh, me going uh, during these trying times and the stressful situations. And to me, there's uh, no, you know, despite people feeling down and out, to me, there's no greater proof that there is a God watching us and looking over us, uh, you know, than than the joy that a baby brings to uh, a family. Amen. Well, Bob, thanks for this well-rounded conversation. Uh, Just a note, June 26th, the primary is back on. The judges ruled it uh, to go back on, that it was unconstitutional to end the presidential primary here in New York. So something to talk about later down the road. Bob, thanks so much for joining. Thank you, Alex. Take care. My pleasure. I'm Alexander Garrett. We'll talk to you soon.